Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Backbone. Uh, my name is Annette Papa and I'm here with the amazing Ashley Trahan. That's me. Yeah. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> uh, I am a coach and a flight attendant and Ashley, what do you do? What's your brilliance? Uh, I am a learning designer and coach primarily focused on, well now, stress management, leadership, and psychological safety in the workplace. Oh man. And together we have created the most amazing workshop and workplace learning tool called Backbone. Today, we're going to be talking about a really cool way that we can shift being sort of feeling stuck in our job. And we're going to share some stories, personal stories, a little bit of research and kind of give you options if you are feeling like Switching jobs isn't for you right now, um, but you do need some more support because working in your job is driving you crazy and you want to leave. Absolutely. Yeah. For all, I mean, this seems rich for me to say this, someone who left their job and moved 4,000 kilometers across the country, but that is not always the answer. It's not always the answer to, as I say, eat, pray, love moment and move away or change your job for many, 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 many of us, that is not an option um, for a variety of reasons. So sometimes we need to just think more creatively about redesigning the job that we're in. And often um, when I do career coaching, folks don't, they underestimate how much autonomy they have to start changing things in their day-to-day life at work um, without ever changing their jobs. Sometimes they don't even, ever even asking permission from their boss or their workplace to start sh- changing and shifting things. So we're going to talk a bit about, I think, how you did that, Annette, in, in your role, um, and then just some, some research, some thoughts around how you could try to do this no matter where you work, even if it's not as a coach or on an aircraft. Um, there's lots of things you can do in your job to make it. I don't want to say like, the most engaging and meaningful. It'd be great if it was engaging and meaningful, uh, but at least that you can get through the day and not want to throw your laptop out the window or. Shifting mm-hmm. the needle. I think like, like our work is kind of just about how do we move the needle a little bit closer towards a life that, that feels sustainable and doable. We're, you know, and then being so surprised when we're like, huh find moments of joy and bliss in it, but it's just like, can we just shift the needle a little bit? Absolutely. I think we grossly underestimate sometimes the impact that small shifts can have and grossly overestimate how much these huge changes can change our life. Like we think that the big thing is going to change everything. And in fact, maybe it will not change as much as you think, but also the little things repeated after a day after day for a year can change everything. But we kind of write that off as like, now I'm looking for like the sexier, bigger change. Uh, And it's not always where I think the good stuff happens as I think we both know from personal experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So Annette, famously, you have made your job, I guess, not just more bearable, but you actually enjoy being a flight attendant. What, especially during a time when, you know, there was a global pandemic. Uh, it, it was probably the, the most challenging time to fly, not necessarily the same sort of sexy travel experience that we imagine when we're watching um, shows from the 60s. Um, so can you tell us a bit about, or like walk me through for you, what triggered, I guess, the need to redesign or rethink 
how you approach the day-to-day work of being a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to be clear, I only in looking back now, can I see, oh, that's what I did. I learned some things. I took some courses and then came back to work and, and, and the things that I did and learned, um, and made me more curious and engaged in my job. So prior to the pandemic, I remember having these thoughts of, okay, if I put in five more years, you know, maybe I can last five more years here and then I'm going to quit. It was very, I'm going to put in this amount of time and then I'm going to quit. And like, this is not, this is not, I do not enjoy this. I am not having fun. This is no, 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 no. And then the pandemic happened. I was off work for a year and a half. I started taking all these courses on nervous system reset, sort of, they were like trauma for movement, the foundations of our body and how it relates to stress and small things that we can do and getting kind of nerdy and sciencey about all these things. I was using those courses as I was going to start coaching folks. So I pivoted out of my, my side hustle was personal training and I pivoted into virtual coaching because it's the pandemic. So I coached for a year and a half um, on these things. I continue to take a bunch of courses and now I get the opportunity to go back to work. At one point, I wasn't even sure if I was going to go back to work. Coaching was going really well. Um, but just in terms of really, it was like the health insurance and the saving benefits. That's, that is why I did not go back to work because I wanted to have so much fun and all that stuff. I just, well, I did miss my coworkers. I will say that. Um, but it was the health benefits and like the nitty gritty things that work provides us. But what I realized when I started flying again is one, I wanted to start creating more of a bridge between the flight attendants and the pilots because there's kind of like, there's the, the literal door that we shut that separates us from them. And then there is the metaphorical, like, oh, this, this idea or this thought, like pilots are so needy and like, they're always bugging us when we want service and they're like dumb and like, oh, there's this, this thought. And while some of that is true, I really wanted to, I got really curious about what would it look like to start my day investing time in building bridges with them making sure that they feel taken care of, establishing my boundaries of like when I can be really helpful towards them and when I can't. And then just the reality of that door is closed. I am their only way to the bathroom, to get a drink if they want it, to get a coffee, to eat if they're hungry and they haven't brought in a lunch for themselves. Like that's the reality of it. So to kind of take away anyway. So that is one of the things that I started getting curious about. And once I realized that creating a better relationship at the beginning of the day meant that if I have a medical and I need to then tend to myself post situation, now I've created some more, um, what's the word? Like I've created a little bit more 
fluidity and I would feel safer, like going up into the flight deck and bawling. I have done that. I've gone up there and I've vented and I've swore and, you know, (laughs) I've done, I've done literally everything up in the flight deck in terms of trying to get myself to be okay in order to do the flight home. Cause I'm not done my day. And it's like, I need to be able to operate home. Um, so I think that was like one of the the big things. And then the other thing that came up was that when I went back, it's, it was still the pandemic. People, we had to wear masks on, on the plane. People had a lot of fear of flying. And um, right away, I noticed that people were way more anxious as flyers. And now I had all these tools in my tool belt that I could provide to my guests. And so I just started like swooping in as soon as I'd see if someone would, I watched women just like kind of sit. I probably watched like two or three from like when I first went back within the first like month or so, just sit through the, the, the safety demo, trying to find out how to be okay. And I saw tears just streaming down their eyes as they're just sitting like in so much discomfort and being able to just ask some questions and then give them some tools felt so good. And then there was the piece of actually having the medicals, having the really stressful um, times on board and starting to build this pre, during and post toolbox of how do I care for myself through the medicals and putting all those pieces in play that made it sustainable. Um, and it kept me really curious, like, okay, what, what do I do after a medical happens that I could always do? And one of the things is I drive by a McDonald's that's almost always open. As a flight attendant, you get home really late and I can always go get a McFlurry and like a small fry and a hamburger after a day that's been really challenging. And I can kind of close it out by eating some really fatty, salty, delicious food, but that also just feels like a bit of a tradition and a bit of, but also a bit of like self-soothing. Yeah. Do I love my job all the time? No, but I do not dread going to work for the most part. And I, I'm, I, it's, it's a, it's like a Petri dish of experimental things. Like what can I do that'll affect this and this? And And how can I tend to myself so that I'll be okay? And if I'm really okay and I don't have to fake it, how does that affect the guests? And the guests, Mm. they love it. Yeah. I mean, I would love it if I've never had the the pleasure of encountering you on a flight, nor I don't think anyone who even behaves anything like that, but I have sometimes encountered flight. It was really engaged. They're like having fun with the guests and it totally changes well, the entire flight changes the mood of everyone. Um, but what's most important is I think what you're talking about is job crafting. And that's what we want to share a bit with folks today is if you are like, you know, like you said, ca- either counting down the days so you could quit or retire. God forbid I have met someone who was like counting down. It was like 35 years, mama. Shit. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> if you are, maybe you yourself are counting down the days. you only... 5,000 more days until I'm out of, I'm, I'm out of this. Uh, I don't think that's the way that any of us should live our life. Um, and while you may not, we're not necessarily even going for loving your job. It's more just like making it more 
engaging. Um, there's actually a lot of research about this that's out there and some real like actual science-based ways that you could shift how you feel about your job to make it more engaging and meaningful. And I will say the credit goes to uh, Jane Dutton and Amy Rizanuski, I'm probably not saying that correctly, but from University of Michigan and Yale, they have been studying the, the science behind job crafting and what makes us more engaged and meaningful, um, or makes our work more engaging and meaningful every day. And they've studied, this comes from like, I told you the example of hospital cleaners trying to make their job yeah. more engaging and meaningful. Uh, they did a study around, um, you know, people who are janitors at hospitals. It's pretty obvious what their job description is. And Every day is not the most engaging and meaningful, um, but they found more meaning and engagement in their job when they did little things like moving the painting so that palliative care patients could see it from where they were laying down in bed. Um, and mm. when they gave them autonomy in their jobs to make decisions like where in the room would the painting be the best for the patients? So they could actually see it based on their care plan and where they have to sit and spend most of their time. All of a sudden being a janitor at the hospital took on a totally different meaning from just cleaning rooms. Now it means, you know, in someone's last days of their life, I can maybe make the room feel a bit more comfortable or be a bit more welcoming or a bit more beautiful for them. That is to me anyways, way more engaging and meaningful than just like mopping the floors. Um, it takes on a whole different meaning. So they started to just kind of study, okay, if we go to manufacturing facilities and we go to nonprofits, if we go and work with tech workers, how can they also make those kinds of changes in their job? Um, so the first that they came, the first sort of, there's three ways you could do this. So the first is task crafting. I have some ideas about what you were doing in your job, but that basically means I'm going to change like the type of tasks I do, the scope of those tasks, the order in which I do those tasks or mm -hmm. just how many tasks I'm doing in a day. Um, I think what, what, what you were doing with task crafting was actually creating that toolbox. So mm. you don't, you didn't have to ask permission to do this. This is just something you were offering. I want to say off the side of your cart, <laughs> off the side of someone's desk, yeah. off the side of the, the proverbial airline cart is, Hey, I've done all the other things I need to do. You followed all the procedures, but just in the margins, you are able to say, Hey, I know you pilot or flight attendant or guest are feeling a certain way right now. Here's some tools you might want to try, um, which made them happy, maybe made them more engaged, maybe made the flight more bearable for a guest when they were crying at the beginning. Maybe they got through it and feel okay on the other side of that experience. Um, you were able to kind of add and change the scope of what your role was without sacrificing the other things you had to do. You just did that. Mm -hmm. I think that's available to all of us. Often we think, oh, well, to change the type of things I do today, I have to ask my boss or get permission from the company. And actually you didn't need to even do that. You're just like, hey, here's mm -hmm. some tools that changes the type of tasks you do every day, which is something that's more meaningful, but you didn't have to ask permission necessarily to do mm -hmm. that. And you could have asked permission if it's something that maybe needed more time. Um, and maybe they'd be willing to do it because it sounds like the guests are having a different experience just by you doing something that takes a few minutes out of maybe yes. like a five hour flight in that it's it too it's like it's adding value and the other thing that i wanted to say about customer service related jobs and i don't know if it goes over into like the more white collar is that when you think about adding value you think oh it's going to be harder it's going to take more of my energy but in my experience it does not so you know, aiding somebody through something because you have the tools to do it actually makes me sort of stand up a little bit 
you know, I get more invested in my work and it starts to become more like, almost like play in a way or um, not fun because I don't want people to be in pain, but it's less work. Just wanted to add that part. I think that does apply even if like, because everybody's job involves some form of connecting with other people, whether that's customers, if you're customer facing, it could be clients. If it's business to business, it could be other people who work at your job, like coworkers. Um, if we change how we connect with them or approach them, sometimes we think it's going to take more time to relate to others or build trust with others in different ways. And in fact, it often takes less time. It actually doesn't alter anything that we're doing. It might just mean we're just changing our approach in a really small way. Like asking questions instead of telling someone something, uh, what we're dealing with a coworker, it could be just small ways that we could shift our job, which actually leads well into the second way that you can do job crafting. That I think also you're doing in the example that you shared, which is relationally crafting your job. So it's altering who you interact with maybe, or maybe who you interact with when, but changing how you interact with different relationships in your job. So obviously with you, it's like obviously the guess if someone's anxious or angry or has an issue on the flight, but it's also the pilots and your coworkers, you're changing. Okay. The relationship is one thing. We've kind of defined this relationship that the the pilots are in one place and flight attendants are in another place. And now we're changing. You're thinking, okay, well, what actually is that? Is that true? Is that true that the relationship is X, Y, and Z, or could it be something else? And hey, if I approach this relationship differently, would that change how I see the tasks with my job? So instead of saying, oh, on top of everything else, I've got to go let the pilot to go to the bathroom. It's no, actually, like, if I think about it from their perspective, they're relying on me. They're behind this locked door. That would be really uncomfortable. So you're kind of changing your relationship with that person that can actually, again, make our work more engaging and meaningful um, to change how we like who we interact with in our job. And sometimes that might mean changing, you know, how we interact with people that we already interact with, or it might mean maybe now you don't interact with certain people, but by adding in the opportunity to interact with others, it might make my day more engaging and meaningful. So like I'm thinking for me sitting at home, working in 360 square feet, like the proverbial, like I'm going up at Treasure Island. I've got cabin fever by Friday. If I don't create the opportunity to interact with other people. So I have to intentionally choose who can I interact with? How can I build more interaction into my day? And I'd be being very intentional of like, even when I think I don't have time, finding someone who's a colleague that I trust in my network to reach out to, going to a networking event when I don't want to go to it. But I know that interactions, I'll always leave more energized, but going into it, I don't think I have the time to do it. So for me, it's almost like seeking out interactions in my day. For others, it might be, I need to interact with people less. And that might make my work more engaging and meaningful to have time to do focus work. So just thinking about your relationships at work can actually make our job feel a lot more meaningful or at least engaging or at least you know, bearable. Um, if you're if you're working at home or if you're working on the front lines dealing with customers, um, there are different ways we can change relationally how we work. Okay. So the last sort of way to craft our jobs and design our work is called cognitive crafting. So that means actually changing the way that we interpret what we're doing. And I think this one, everybody can do, even if you think, okay, my boss is never going to let me do any task crafting. And that could be possible. Like if you're a barista at Starbucks, they are probably not going to let you change how you make lattes. Like that's just their secret sauce is what they do. Um, but we could change how we think about how we're interpreting the tasks or the work that we have to do every day. Um, mm-hmm. So for you, I'm thinking like you're helping the, the guests and the pilots. You are seeing 
in real time, how your, your interaction with people changes someone's comfort or connection to them. I know you didn't say this, but you have shared stories in the past, but people like they may be going through the hardest day of their life and end up on your aircraft. But what you are describing is being like, I'm just going to, for a second, take on their role and just think if I were them flying to like someone's funeral, Mm -hmm. what impact could I have? Even if it's a little bit to like make this like less of less painful experience, at least getting there because it's going to be painful Mm -hmm. anyway. And I, so you're kind of taking on the role of other people, your connection with them, how you play a role in that. And I think all of us can try to change. How do I think about this task? Cause there's two ways to think there, there's probably two, there's probably five ways to think about how you approach people and the impact that you have on either other people or the work that you do. So like an example would be, you know, sometimes companies like, well, we manufacture this thing. That's our, that's our role. It's very cut and dry. Like I manufacture parts for this, this, this industry. Um, but the reality is like, what are those parts enable the company to do? Maybe they create, um, jobs through that. Maybe what you do, changes people's lives in some way. Maybe we're bringing clean water to places that don't have clean water now. And those parts Mm -hmm. actually, it doesn't, it's not just making the parts because I mean, it could be, but it could also be like, now we enable different communities to have clean water when they didn't have Mm -hmm. that access before, which to me, it's a lot deeper meaning. So I'm not just going to like make widgets. Now I'm going to make widgets, but what the widgets do are really, really important. And I think sometimes we can lose connection to that because people are not measuring that on a daily basis. You're not getting your performance review that says, Hey, here's the impact you had in the world. I mean, most mm-hmm. people aren't anyways. What you hear is, you know, you did, you meet, met these metrics. Those metrics typically are connected to a bigger vision of what you're trying to do in the world with your work. So if you can connect to that, like the janitors who are seeing, you know, actually I could see it as I'm just moving paintings around and dusting them, or am I making people most comfortable in maybe their last moments on the earth, or maybe while they're recovering from something that's really traumatic, that is the cognitive crafting piece that I think is accessible to all mm-hmm. of us um, as we move through our, our work day. Um, and doesn't mean like make stuff up and like drink the Kool-Aid and pretend like, and, like draw yeah. like, that aren't there. This is not saying like gaslighting yourself into being like, my boss is horrible to me, but I can like make myself think that it's for everything's okay. No, we're saying there may be opportunities to see, maybe you're not aware or consciously like bringing into your awareness the impact that you really are having in the world. And I think mm-hmm. we can, if we can get our kind of caught up in the day to day, but sometimes that perspective can be really useful. You're not just serving peanuts. <laughs> uh, you are getting people to their vacation. You're getting them maybe important life events. Maybe they're getting married the other side of this flight. I don't know. Like there are all kinds of things that are happening for people and you have them for that moment in time. And I think um, you make sure that it counts. So those are the three ways I'll put this in the show notes as well. Um, and links to the, to an article. If you want to think about this for yourself, but task crafting, relationally crafting and cognitive crafting are three ways. I would say, if you think you want to quit your job, try that first. It's always good yeah. to try to redesign before you just take off because you never know <laughs> what might be possible. Sometimes you're going to end up with the same conclusion, which is that yes, you need to quit your job. Uh, but sometimes Maybe there's a lot more possibilities than we let ourselves see when we're in the day-to-day. Just to bring in like a a sort of one of our backbone principles is to do this on a day, or if you're listening to this podcast and you are completely overwhelmed with work, with your life, this may not be the day to 
dive into this because most likely your brain and your body are not going to be down to like offer you the best and most creative answers to these things. But choosing or have realizing a day when it feels a little lighter, the sun is kind of metaphorically shining in your world to be able to go in and answer some of these questions um, for yourself when your demand is not quite as high as well. I think that'll make a difference too. So we have great news you asked and we have delivered um, and are now delivering the Backbone Workshop virtually so you can attend from anywhere in the world. Um, So in the virtual Backbone Workshop, which is taking place on May 13th, 2023, um, that'll be at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. for you Pacific time folks like me or 3 p.m. GMT if you happen to be in Europe. Um, We're going to be sharing our toolkit for stress management techniques and tools that you can deploy even on the worst day of work. This will work even on the worst day yes. uh, of, of working. You could deploy these practices and we are including um, an access to the recording as well as guided audio practices, tool, a toolkit that you can use after the fact while you are at work or anywhere in life to understand the biology of stress and strategies to break the stress cycle. Um, And it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be experiential. We're going to have fun together um, and it'll be a really safe and supportive environment to explore ways that you can start maybe job crafting and introducing these tools into your day-to-day life as well to change how um, work feels and maybe make it feel more engaging and meaningful by putting in place some tools to manage stress for yourself, maybe help your coworkers as well. Um, the cost is $100, but we also offer tiered pricing. Um, so go and check out the website. The link will be in the show notes. Um, and we are so excited to see you there virtually on May 13th. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Ashley and I love making these for you. If you benefit from it, send it to somebody. We want more people listening and getting in tune and not having to just, you know, sulk their way through their job and stress and life. Um, we, we just want to make little shifts in people and to see just, just a little bit of change, just a little bit of change out there. All right. Thanks everyone. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.